Kia and welcome to episode 95 of The Staggeror. This episode I talked to Joey Clinton, who is a hunting guide and a hunting videographer photographer. Joey has done some amazing works um, and has a video entered in the Rodden Rifle video competition at this coming Seeker Show. Um, I look forward to that video coming out on his YouTube channel. I've seen it, it's amazing. Um, if you are watching it, make sure you've got some good um, your TV or, or your laptop plugged into the stereo or some fantastic headphones plugged in because, man, the bird song on that film is absolutely amazing, powerful. Um, and yeah, the uh, sounds of, of that stag really put the, your hairs on on the tension. It's, it's amazing. Um, we have a really cool chat around guiding and hunting and surfing, um, what it's like to live up north. Uh, it's it's um, good fun. So hope you enjoy this. Pretty relaxed and um, yeah, great chat with Joe Ellington. Enjoy. Yep. Right, we're underway. Kia ora everybody. Sitting here with uh, Joe Ellington. You look like you've been uh, doing a little bit of, of the business there behind us, Joe. We yeah, I've just uh, just finished up at the moment. Uh, good stint of editing, so working on a tar hunt at the moment. And um, yeah, eight o'clock oh. at the moment, so I've been working on it all afternoon. <laughs> so the uh, office floor's covered in, um, in in cutouts, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. It's just that computer screen behind me. All that yeah. cluttered stuff you can see is all bits and pieces of something. I've got to make sense of it. Yeah. Mate, so what did, what did you get up to over the weekend? I saw you managed to take your dog for a walk. What beach was that on, man? Uh, that's actually just a, a local beach here uh, near home, uh, Nangaroo, it's called. It's on the Tutukaka coast. So that's just a place I like to go and um, basically, yeah, relax, take my mind off anything and, and just go for a stroll on the sand. You know, it's quite, quite a nice little stretch. It's, you can probably do a kilometre walk on the sand and, Hardly meet any people on the way, and yeah, it's quite good. It's a good place to go, good place to relax, you know. Yeah, and is your dog any good in the bush, or, or just good for walks on the beach? Oh well, that that dog there is actually <coughs> he's an old retired hunting dog of mine. So he's he hunted for probably ten years, I suppose. Um, caught me thousands of pigs, a lot of good boars. He's just definitely the best dog I've ever had in my life. So um, he's retired with me now, and he sort of he chills out by the fire, and he. Goes on the easy missions. He likes to go fishing with me nowadays. So when I chase a kingfish, he's normally there with me. So, yeah, as far as catching the boars, yeah, he's had his days of that. He's getting pretty old now. Nice. When you go fishing, is that with a rod or you jump in the water? No, that's, um, yeah, it's all land-based uh, topwater fishing. So it's, yeah, fishing rods and reels, targeting kingfish. is mainly what I do this time of year, this summertime. Fantastic. So you sent me through... Uh a bit of a link to, to a preview that's going to be coming out shortly. And is that the video that you've entered in the Seeker film, Seeker Sarah film contest? Was yeah, that that's, um, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. Wild boy, the journey is what we're calling it. So it is a big journey. It's been a journey getting that stag. So yeah. yeah. What did you watch it? what did you think of the film? Mate, I loved it. And, um, I was glad that you said put on some headphones because what have you done to get such an awesome sound of New Zealand native bush? Ah, yeah, well, so that particular evening, we were actually blessed. It was, um, um, you know, the sun was setting. I was getting that sort of that golden hour and um, the bird life in that particular area was just, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. So when we were hunting, you know, we were, we were, me and Joe, both me and Joe Fluity were looking at each other like, is this, this doesn't, it's not normal, but man, how cool is it? Yeah, just the bird life was going ridiculous. So obviously my microphone was picking up a lot of this. Um, editing, when I was editing that film, I was just, I had birds chirping in my mind all, all through the night, you know, lying in bed and I could still hear the buggers. So yeah, but it's, it was pretty cool, wasn't it? But it just, it was just one of those evenings, everything was out talking. Um, yeah. Just perfect, perfect bird evening, I guess. So we just happen to be strolling around through it. Yeah, and I guess um, for when it does come out, people need to look uh, into the 
into the out of focus shot as well when you've got the slow-mo of, of the stag looking into the out of focus shot you can see a, a couple of fellow bucks there going what the heck's going on as well so it was a, it was all on that <laughs> evening wasn't it oh uh, it was yeah it was yeah a little mob of uh, young fellow bucks all all mobbed up um they didn't really feature on the film. There was a bit of footage of them actually feeding into the, that particular scene. Uh, but when I was editing it together, it didn't quite fit. It didn't flow as good. So I basically just left them out. But you do get to see them in there. But it was, yeah, it was a pretty cool evening. So that, um, I don't know if you want me to talk about that particular stag or not, but that's a yeah, I'd love journey that. to get that I'd stag. Love, it's about, love to hear the background yeah. of the stag because on that video, you just sort of say that it's wild. And yeah, so, <laughs> so so really, what? Yeah, I'll try to keep it short. It's a long story, but I'll I'll, ah, go, I'll go for to, it. Spin it, spin it out. <laughs> okay. Oh well. So about four years ago, we were um, on, on the wild side hunting safaris, North Island property, the stag property. Um, mm -hmm. This fellow deer and stags and things. Um, awesome property, but it's surrounded by uh, public land. And um, four years ago, a little scrubby young red stag um, ended up on the property and you know this is a property that's got really good genetics um, estate type stags and um, all of a sudden there's a scrubby little eight pointer running around you know little bush stag real dark and dark gray body on him and real bush stag so he, he turned up and and we we noticed him one day in the raw he was walking around and he just he was out of place but he quite liked it because there's lots of food and yeah lots of lots of girls and all sorts of stuff so anyway um that first year joe and um yeah joe was trying to trying to hunt him but he was actually it was his ex-girlfriend at the t uh, now but girlfriend at the time they were trying to get the stag together it was going to be her first stag sort of thing so they would go out and and try hunt down the stag and this is in a, a pretty big area it could there's a lot of bush and a lot of places it could be. And they'd never see it. They'd never see the stag every time they'd go out. And then me and Gerald, who would be guiding every day in the area, would often see it, you know. It would just would be sneaking along with some clients. And next thing, oh, there's the little, there's the wild boy. There's that wild boy just over there. What do you tell, what do you tell the clients, mate? Like, oh, just ignore that one? <laughs> yeah, no, well, yeah, because... Oh, you know, like the guys that come and hunt with us, uh, and and I'd imagine I'd speak for everyone. The guys that come and hunt New Zealand, uh, they're pretty excited to see anything. So um, we were just we were just telling them how it is. You know, this is a that's a, a public land uh, stag that's ended up in here, so um, yeah, it's not on the menu. And most of the time, we'd actually tell them um, that Joe and his girlfriend were trying to get it, sort of thing. So it was kind of you know a lot of people knew about it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what it was. Me and Gerald, we'd always see the stag, eh? and we're not, we weren't trying to find it, but we just happened to always bump into it. And we'd text Joe, and then he'd go and hunt it, and just be unlucky, you know, he wouldn't see it. So, so that was the first year, um, and then the second year, the stag was still around. He decided he didn't want to go anywhere else, so he sort of hung around, and um, it, you know, obviously grew another year older and um, slightly bigger eight pointer now, and um, yeah, starting to get. You know, he's not just a young stag anymore. Still young, but he's not like a little fella. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Joe and Angie were um, still trying to get the stag. And uh, pretty much the same thing happened. And, um, yeah, they'd just be unlucky with it. They, I think they had a couple of opportunities, but didn't quite, nothing, you know, nothing solid, nothing sort of lined up for them. Um, so that was another year gone by. Now, year number three, Joe is now by himself, and um, he decides that he he really wants to get Wild Boy. That's the mm -hmm. name that stuck with him. He really Wild Boy is just that's all he can think about. He wants to get Wild Boy, and he wants to get him with his bow. So um, how how long yeah, had he been know, bow hunting at that stage, or, or was that Joe's been bow hunting a long time? Yeah, long yep. time. Yeah, most well most most of his big game hunting life ever since he was really young. So he's an experienced bow hunter. He knows what he's doing. But he, yeah, he thought that, you know, um, he could shoot the stag with a rifle. It'd be awesome. But he, he said, you know, there's a lot that's gone into the stag and um, a lot of memories and a lot of ups and downs and sort of stuff. So he thought, I'm going to make it even harder and I'm going to I'm gonna try and get it with a bow. And yeah, we'll just see what happens. So, so yeah, year number three, Joe's out there with the bow. 
And um, this year, he was a, a pretty nice-looking 12-pointer. He'd grown yeah. pretty good. Um, you know, good food and um, all that sort of stuff helped him. And um, he was growing into quite a nice-looking stag, just a good, typical 12-point red stag, really nice. So, um, yeah, me and Gerald, I think the first time we saw him was probably about a month into the season. So the red stag rolls on. And we hadn't seen him. We weren't even sure if he was still there. You know, he might have gone back, back to where he originally came from or whatever. And, um, yeah, one, I remember one morning um, we were hunting along. Actually, I think I was actually filming this particular hunt. Gerald was guiding. And we were driving along in the truck. And we had the client with us. And next thing, the stag just leapt across the road in front of us. And uh, as we're driving through, you know, some forest, and the stag leapt across the road. And up the other side and just disappeared over the brow. But we got to see it well enough that we identified it as wild boys. So, um, yeah, the, the hunt was on kind of thing for Joe. And, um, yeah, he, he actually, after really studying the stag for quite a while, he, he saw it uh, at a distance but never really got um, any action happening. But he started to sort of pattern him and found yeah. out where he was and, you know, which, which forest areas he was living in. And, um, you know, what, what his sort of habits were. And eventually this led Joe into a, a really good position. And Joe managed to sneak up and sort of cut Wild Boy off as he was moving across a face. Um, and this is still in the roar. You know, the stags were roaring, there's hinds everywhere, and, you know, all cool sort of action. And um, Joe found himself within bow range. Um, he drew back when the opportunity came and he let an arrow fly and so this this arrow actually impacted him in the ideal spot and um but it, it must have hit a bone or something because it was a complete deflect it had a, a gash in the skin but um yeah unfortunately it was nowhere near life-threatening so joe was devastated he actually took a photo of wild boy running off and then the next day we saw him roaring so um, he wasn't hurt at all. Yeah. So um, yeah, this is year number three. Now Joe had another. He had another crack at him. Um, the next opportunity he got, but I don't. I, no, he didn't. He didn't get another arrow away. Basically. So um, yeah. So that was year number three gone. Now year number four, which is this year right now. Um, the plan was, you know, all Joe could think about was Wild Boy. <laughs> and um, this is this is Joe Fluidy. I'm not sure if any of your listeners have seen Joe Fluidy around, but a lot of the past videos I've made, Joe's the main hunter in it. Um, so, you know, me and Joe do a lot of stuff together. But um, so year year number four. Now, um, Joe, after he actually hit the stag with that with that arrow, um, you know, all of us back at camp, we we felt the pain in the poor fella. He, um, yeah. It was a big deal, basically. So, year number four was another another year of, of pretty hard out guiding for us, and and we were wondering if we were going to see Wild Boy again because we didn't hadn't seen him over the summer, or you know we weren't even sure if he was still in the area um, or what the story was. But um, <clears throat> he ended up, yeah, he ended up turning up. Can't remember. It must have been about April or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, Joe went out there to have a crack at him, but couldn't quite, uh, he couldn't find him. Well, something, something happened. Um, but, you know, we carried on our, our guiding. And then, and then I, I sort of was talking to Joe about it. And we decided that, um, you know, there's so much history in this, in this one stag and all this, this hunting that Joe's done on him. We should really, really try and capture this all on film. And, um, yeah, just, you know, make something of it. So. So that was the plan. <clears throat> and then um, the first opportunity we got, um, we had a week without, without uh, clients. I think Gerald was guiding. Um, I wasn't. So me and Joe, we did a bit of scouting and we managed to, um, yeah, we managed to pretty well figure out that yeah, he's there and he's roaring and he's, um, he's a lot tougher this year than he has been in the past. Uh, he grew into a nice 14 pointer and um, you know, there was no sign of the previous injury. And, um, yeah, he was, this year he was actually a really good-looking stag. So, 
uh, he was he was holding hinds and everything we found. But so yeah, we managed to really pattern him and figure out exactly what he was doing, how he was traveling, you know, when he was feeding, and um, and yeah, basically his little patch, his little territory. And uh, so then this is where part one of the Wild Boy film comes in. Yeah. So we're out there. It was an it was a, an evening evening hunt, as you would have seen in the video. Um, you know, we didn't get out there that early. We thought, let's get out, you know, with that last hour of light or, or so. And um, we get into the area that we're, um, that we're sort of thinking that we might, um, we might see him, you know, sort of where we've, we've been seeing him lately and, and seeing signs from him and stuff. And, yeah, I don't know. Do we want to talk about it too much? I suppose uh, at, at the moment the, the film is, in the, is actually in that Rod and Rifle hunting film tour. Um, and after after that goes live, yeah, it'll be, the film's going to be on YouTube. So I suppose, what do you what do you want me to say? Oh, I think I think leave it there because um, yeah, I'm lucky enough to have seen it, and <laughs> I, I think I think it's it's worth watching, mate. Um, what you what you're saying about there about how it sort of set up its own territory, started holding holding hinds. What do you sort of think from yep. from the management perspective? Um, a stag like that, as it starts to compete with others, you know, is there a chance that these bigger state stags with, with massive showing sort of bump him out and, and he goes away? Or, or like I said, he's started to hold his own a bit. <laughs> yeah, so what we sort of figured out with him is that um, in the, the earlier years, he was, you know, he was, he was younger, he was smaller. Um, the stags that, that are in the area are tough and they're, mm. um, you know, they're not stags from a farm or anything like that. They are in a fence and enclosure, but they're not, uh, you know, these stags all year round, uh, they don't get any human interaction apart from the hunting. So they grow out their velvet, they cast their antlers, all this sort of stuff, and, and they live in the bush and all sorts of things. So these stags are pretty tough animals. Uh, he didn't want to bar them mm. in the start. <laughs> he, was, um, yeah, he was happy to stay with the spikers and, and, and the young fellas. And, and eat the food, you know. For the first, yeah, yeah. The first couple of years, that he was happy. He was happy with the spikers and and all the young guys. So, um, but then, yeah, this this year number four, we, it was a, a massive turning point for him, and um, he became he actually became fairly aggressive and fairly dominant. And you know, to hold, you know, we we saw him. I think the most we ever saw him with was uh, five five hinds or four mm. hinds and a yearling or something like that. But he would have he would have a group with him at times. So the fact that he had some females um, sort of showed that he meant a bit of business. You know, he wasn't just going to be a pushover and things like that. So as far as a management sort of thing goes, um, it's not yeah he's it's not the sort of stag we want around for the you know the quality of stags that that are on the property for the international hunters. But the fact that he was Joe's stag is what sort of kept him there you know um the fact that he was wild boy sort of thing so yeah but it was actually quite cool to see him sort of stepping up and 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 creating a bit of dominance for himself and and yeah having his own little patch and the patch that he had is a beautiful little spot so um yeah he i think he he might have actually slipped in there after we took out we took out a big stag out of there early season and um that stag that stag sort of that was his patch. We called him. We nicknamed him Marco. He was like a. Uh, we saw him a number of times before the hunter actually got him, and he was a stag that's. I don't know if you've ever seen a photo of a Marco shark when you're looking front onto them, and they just look like a barrel with little stubby fins. You know, just big solid looking thing. Yeah, this stag was. He was solid, big, massive neck on him, and we called him Marco. Nice. And anyway, so once once the once Marco was out of the picture, I think. We think that's when maybe Wild Boy slipped in there and, and decided that he was going to take claim. But yeah, beautiful little spot, and you know, as you as you probably saw in some of that some of those visuals, you know, it's a it's a cool little area. And he was yeah, he was. Well, we were pretty lucky to be able to hunt him in that area in that part of the property. So yeah, man, it was it was pretty pretty fantastic. One one thing I like, I had a flick through of a few other of your videos and. Um, You've got one there of, of a charging stag, and yep. just going going around the bush, barking it up and, and kicking off <laughs> young, younger stags and stuff. Um, yep. 
Is that something that you really try to get across in, in your videos? Like, obviously, you've got that bird song uh, over, over the soundtrack. Yep. But then yep. the, the actual behaviour and, and what you're dealing with and what, what a wild animal actually looks like. I, I loved it that you got that across. Is that something you've, you know, focused on on purpose or what? Um, yeah, that, that particular video you're talking about is... I just had a bit of fun when I was actually editing that. That was a, that was a morning hunt and... Um, uh, I was guiding a bow hunter from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, can't remember where he's from. Idaho or something. And anyway, um, yeah, we 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 had that experience. That was actually quite a cool experience of that that particular stag. Um, he never, we never managed to get him into bow range. We, I actually called him into fifty yards with a hind call, um, but that was just just out of out of the range sort of thing. And so, yeah. But we got to leading up to that moment. We got to um, <coughs> excuse me. We got to we got to see that stag um, working his hinds, and he was actually I don't know if you realised in the in the video he had two younger spikers just patrolling around the outskirts of where he was with his hinds, and you know they were just trying to sneak in there, and I guess they were trying to whisk away some of his girls, you know. So. <laughs> Him being a big dominant stag, he was um, he was just patrolling the area and he, he was just giving it to them. Eh? He was just charging out after them and yeah, man, we were we were perched up in the edge of this little patch of bush and he was in the middle of a clearing with those big you know big old old growth trees in the middle and then there was uh, another patch of bush behind that sort of circled around. So he was basically in a bit of a clearing in the middle of the bush and um, we were just on the edge of it you know and so we got to see some pretty cool stuff but you know for me that's that's the magic seeing the animals um doing their thing and and interacting and roaring and fighting and chasing each other that's the sort of stuff that stands the hairs on the back of my neck up mm-hmm. so um yeah with that little that little video um i had such a cool experience that morning with the guys and with those animals i thought that you know i'll try and create it in that short video it's not long what is it three minutes long or something but it just sort of shows a few of the a few of the moments that sort of stuck in my in our minds so yeah that was that was cool that was another really that was a morning hunt that one and that was actually another morning where the birds were just going ballistic so yeah that time of year the yeah on a sunny night or morning the um the bird life's cool man and that's that's a big part of the the experience eh? Absolutely. And so with that, um, you talk about, you know, the old stand trees and, and the clearings and stuff. And obviously, if you guys are wanting to get the genetics to really show up, you, you need good feed, good feed for them. Um, how is, not to use the term farmed, but how is it sort of managed and, and farmed and, and, and the, the tree species sort of looked after? And obviously, there's, there's plenty there for them, so many birds to take hold. Um, and is there many pests going on on the property as well? Pests, no, this is, there's, um, so it's a hunting property. Um, yeah, there's no pests. There's very little possums and things, rabbits. There's a few rabbits and stuff, but, you know, there's no goats, pigs or anything like that. Um, there's crops and all sorts of stuff, good feed for the deer, um, especially in the off-season. So, um, yeah, it's it's a pretty well put together property, that's for sure, for the mm. hunting. Yeah, and, and it suits bow hunters and stuff like that. And, and uh, wildside hunting safaris have, have really done a lot of lot of work with bow hunting in the in the years gone by because of this property. So, um, yeah, I, I love to hunt on it. I love to guide on it. I think I've guided on there for five years now, or something like that, maybe six years or something. And um, yeah, just yeah, it's a, it's cool, man. It's a cool experience there. Eh? It's so cool. Yeah, it looks looks a pretty special place. So, how does the sort of guiding start for you, mate? Um, obviously, I heard heard about you from the Educated Hunter who, who hosts the Ultimate OE, which one one time at a university I was pretty keen on on doing doing that. But as I said to Matt Gibson, life happened to me and, and I didn't make it. But what, what was sort of the the guiding journey for you, mate? Um, the guiding journey for me would probably yeah. I was, I don't know, I suppose ever since I was a wee, wee kid, you know, they always ask you, um, what do you want to be when you're older? You know, when you're, when you're, when you're at school, you might be five years old or something. Um, yeah, I, a hunting guide was, yeah, I was thinking, 
it was a hunting guide and a shepherd. I also really wanted to be a shepherd, but it was one of the two. And I thought that I'd definitely do, um, definitely do one or the other. And as I, as I, you know, grew older, the hunting was massive for me. Um, and I, I really, I really wanted to be a hunting guide. Um, it's not something that I was just dreaming of. It was something that I, I really wanted to make happen. Um, so yeah, in the early days I was doing a lot of pig hunting and, um, Ended up starting to take a few people out and used to make a lot of old videos. You know, they're pretty crude old videos, but they were um, <laughs> worth a watch for content, I suppose. You know, if you were if you're looking to follow along for a hunt, um, you could do it and see see the boys get on to some, some good pigs. So anyway, people started to watch this and people started to ask, can we, uh, can we come hunting with you? So it started off back then, I guess. Uh, I'd take a few guys out and then, um, yeah, we'd have a bit of action and, it's all good fun, you know? And then, um, yeah, there come a point where actually Gerald Fluidy, who I'd been in contact with uh, a wee bit, um, he asked me if I wanted to come and guide for him for um, this big hunt that he had coming up. And I said, I said, yeah, of course. And um, this was a bow hunt. So I was guiding a bow hunter um, for a couple of deer. And um, yeah, it was sort of, at the time, it was in the middle of. Um, I'd just come out of a field on Wapiti Block uh, with Rory Gentle and uh, and his dad Brendan, and um, yeah, I think I came up after the uh, Wapiti to do the guiding with Gerald, and it was it was awesome. It was like um, it was it was unreal. I remember finishing up with with them, and um, it was just such a great experience, and I was just I was buzzing over it, and. Um, yeah, I think after that, uh, the hunting hadn't obviously finished and uh, we went to the South Island and did some stag hunting and stuff like that. And so, but the whole time I was just thinking, man, I had such a good time up there with Wildside and, and doing the guiding. So um, that was the first of it. And then every year uh, I'm guiding for Gerald and yeah, filming and doing all sorts of stuff. And over the years, the camera side of it's uh, gotten more and more. And in the last year, last five or six years it's the camera's probably overtaken the guiding as far as the passion goes for me nice mate and so um how, how does this sort of camera camera work start in, in the guy because obviously it's, it's when you talk about you know people come from idaho they've come out here to do possibly something that's once in a lifetime but you know for some of yep. them it's it's um yep. just a, a massive thing and a massive effort and a, and a massive investment regardless um so yep. It, it's a no-brainer to then get somebody to to prepare an awesome film. When when did that sort of yep. come come about? That hey, we're going to offer this service as well as as the guiding. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure when it came about, but yeah, I guess it was just one of those things that just progressed into that. Um, yeah, because a lot of the guys that were coming over, um, they do really, they they absolutely love their time here. And then um, to have the thought there that they could have it filmed and relive it forever um, was just like, yeah, we got some pretty cool feedback on that, eh? So, and there was, you know, there's a number of guys out there filming hunts, um, stuff like that, especially overseas. So it's not like it's it's the first time it's ever been done, you know. It's been this has been happening for a long time, but um, yeah, all all the people I've I've ever dealt with have just been, you know, they're so happy that they got their hunt filmed um and you know they, they might have shot a stag or a big fellow buck or a big bull tar or whatever it was you know uh, which is an awesome experience in itself but then to be able to relive it all on video was just um yeah it was just took it a whole nother level for them so yeah hearing all this sort of feedback from from the hunters is um quite good and i guess it sort of fueled the passion for me for the camera side of what i do and you know, ultimately, I would I would love to be full time running cameras and not so much guiding. I love the guiding, but the cameras and the editing is that's really cool, and I I really enjoy it. Nice. So you're a bit different to to Matt Gibson and, and Cam Anderson then, because they hate the editing. So what what is it about you? <laughs> what is it about you that, oh. that that you can sit there for hours and then get the get the storyboard up, chop chop out half of it, and 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 create something that, that tells an awesome story. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know, man. I, yeah, 
it's funny you say that because yeah, most, most well, yeah, every camera guy I know, and um, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, cams told me told me about it as well. But yeah, the editing is definitely not the fun part. But I guess, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I like it. I just like this time of year. I'm I'm back up north. Uh, the hunting season's finished, so I'm back up at home on the coast. And you know, my days are at the moment are just on the computer going through old hunts. So, you know, like this this one I'm working on at the moment, this is um, a pretty special hunt that was actually uh, for a real nice guy uh, from Pukekohe, actually. Um, and he's he's had the dream of getting a, a big bull tar, you know, a big one. We're talking 13 plus, 14 inch sort of bull. That was a dream of his. And, um, yeah, we, we've had the pleasure of hunting with Matt before um i guided last year i got him last year on a giant fellow buck which was pretty special and and then and he he got a stag with um joe and gerald and then um this year he come back and he's he's looking for this for this tar and you know he's always he's a real nice humble guy and he's always he's always said you know a bull tar of any sort is a trophy for him but he's always had the dream of a giant one so um yeah, we hunted, we hunted pretty hard, and and as it played out, we ended up getting a giant bull for him. So it was, it was unreal. And the the best thing about it is, I was filming this hunt, and um, the footage that that we got, um, I would say hands down, it's the best tar hunting footage I've ever got in my life. You know, and it was a giant bull, and it was for a guy that is such a good guy. So. For me, that's pretty special there. And so when I get home and, and then when I place it all up on the screens like this and um, I'm working through it, I guess I remember back to all these good times and um, it makes it a bit easier and it makes me want to do it, if you know what I mean. Mm. So, um, yeah. Uh, don't that's know what nice. else to say, but that's, yeah, the editing can be fun, I guess. Absolutely. Um, so just on there, and you talked, to, talked about now it's the best best you've ever done, and and for those out there, out there know that I'm I'm pretty beginner to the hunting thing. It was sort of, a, a, you know, growing up in South and something it was always an idea to do, but never happened until I, I finished uni. And even then, it's been sort of a weekend here, weekend there. Lots of rugby got in the way, and our family's in the way. But you know, um, with the hunting, and and especially on on somebody that's being guided, I. I I take it you can't be like, can you just set that up again? Um, what what are your what are your skills yeah. like, um, and, and and how are you sort of? I guess, I guess it, with the guiding mentality, you're you're trying to be a step ahead of of the the hunter as yeah. well, and try to figure out what they what they should be looking for and what you what you, what behaviour and, and scenes and and um, yep. the nature and stuff is out there, and so you're you're just capturing that. Is that right? You're sort of the ghost that's yeah that's yeah, trying to I be guess. right as well. Yeah, I guess I guess you're bang on there. Um, so, yeah, with with my guiding experience, I I feel I do feel that I know, you know, I know what's happening and I know what I should be filming and and what's about to happen and stuff. So that does help me massively. And um, yeah, like in in a hunt like this, um, most of the time it's just run and gun. It's film yeah. it as it happens, you know. Um, but there, there does come times where you can um, get a certain scene refilmed. But yeah, for for the bulk of the action, then uh, the bulk of the natural stuff, you know, the, the real good stuff, it happens there and then, and you only get one shot at it. So um, I don't know how I do it, but yeah, I, I guess I figured out a way to to know how to capture um, these certain scenes and stuff. So <clears throat> yeah, I. I yeah, it does. It does make it easier when you sort of know what's going to happen, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But don't get me wrong. There is lots of scenes that we do refilm. You know, like little, maybe a little talking scene that I, I, I wanted to capture but didn't quite capture, or someone talked over it at the same time. You know, I might ask someone to repeat that if if they don't mind, sort of thing. So there is there is scenes that do get refilmed, but the bulk of the bulk of what we're doing is, um, yeah, it's all natural. Lovely. And so, what's it like, you know, for for guiding in New Zealand? You, you imagine the the big guys coming in from from Idaho, or you know, big station owners, or or business people coming over. 
what's it like um, dealing with the domestic customer? Um, what, what's the motivation for tapping into that guiding market? Um, what's the, the hunter's motivation for coming over, are you saying? I know, so for, for the guy, like you said, the guys from Bukakawi, what's what are you sort of getting from, oh, oh, from yeah. domestic clients? Well, um, basically, if anyone wants to go hunting, then, um, yeah, we'll take them out sort of thing. So I'm sure that's, you know, most outfitters in New Zealand, but um, Wildside guides a fair number of Kiwi hunters all through the raw and, and things like that. You know, it's not the mainstay is the international guys, but... Um, a number of Kiwi guys do come and hunt and, and also throughout the rest of the year, you know, not, not so much just the peak, but um, like this particular year now, 2019, um, you know, we got a Matt and, and then we also had another, another guy from Rotorua or somewhere like that come and do a stag hunt in Aurora and, and you know, there's, yeah, the Kiwi guys do, do love to do it. And, and if I'm going to talk about it in a way, well, let me put it this way, you know, Matt himself, um, he's done a lot of hunting himself, but it's easier for him, you know, he runs a, a big business up in Pukekohe and all this sort of stuff, and it's easier for him to get the help of a guide to um, get him into the areas, get him onto the animals and stuff like that, because, you know, Matt's a real busy guy, and he's only got a short window where he can actually go and do these sort of things. So um, he'd hate to, well, I don't want to put words out there that, that he wouldn't say, but I'd imagine that um, he'd hate to take two weeks off work in April, try and go away for a stag hunt and um, and realise, you know, it's, he's gone into the wrong area or the, they're not quite roaring over here or something like that. So, mm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we get, a, we get a lot of guys that just want a helping hand to get their, um, yeah, get their, get their animals, get their action, get their experiences. No, that makes that makes complete sense because, you know, I'll openly admit that nothing's come up trumps for me in the world just yet, and, and you know, I've, I've got a couple on on the backs of farms, but it, for me, it, it's the actual hunting experience, which is which is key. And, and yeah, getting getting out there if if you don't have much time and you're a busy person, like you say, investing two weeks off off work, especially if you're the one paying yourself, um, yeah, yeah. Makes, <laughs> makes complete sense. And um, that brings me to something that I sort of disagreed with cam on uh, and, and it's funny enough that the week after him and i had the uh, podcast conversation that that rod and um rifle video competition came up and i sort of said to him are we at, are we at a place in new zealand where we can have a, a hunting film competition he's still like oh no and then i said to him well you know guys like myself and, and obviously clearly guys like matt that you're talking about um who don't get out there every week or, or aren't aren't living hunting as a dream you know we love watching, sitting down for half an hour or 40 minutes or if you're watching Paul Michael's video, two hours, watching somebody else hunt <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah. and, and get, get the vibe of it. Where, where's your position? Because I saw you did a little poll the other day on how long should you make a video and you were yeah. you, were, you were thinking yeah. 10 minutes, but everyone said, no, 20 back and longer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I think, um, well, me, me personally, I spend a – probably the majority of my time at this time of year on the computer editing um, hunts and stuff like that. And I do, I do find there comes a time at night where I'll switch off and I'll just watch some hunting and fishing on YouTube. And especially lately, this has been happening more and more, but yeah, I'm quite happy to sit there. And, and at the moment it's elk hunting, you know, all the boys mm -hmm. over there are uh, mad onto the elk at the moment. So I guess I'm sort of wanting to be there right now. But instead, I'm I'm watching videos of the guys out there chasing these bugling bulls, and um, yeah, I would like to have time on my hands, but I feel I don't have a lot of spare time on my hands. But I still manage to find a bit of time to watch some hunts and 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 you know some good fishing action and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm sure there is people out there that do want to that do want to watch videos and and that do spend a good amount of time scrolling through YouTube and, and looking for hunting videos and stuff like that. So, yeah. What was the sort of filming community like in New Zealand? I know I've been catching up with a few of the guys from Bow Hunting down over the few of the uh, down under. Sorry, their videos in in Australia. Did, does is there much of a you know community of, of filmers, or is just kind of things that pop up on your feed? Um. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I I guess there's 
we all seem to know each other. Yeah. You know, like, um, you know, Cam's a good guy. I've dealt with Cam quite a bit um, for, you know, different things um, to do with his magazine and stuff like that, which may be happening in the future. Um, and, you know, Sam Wild, um, you know, a lot, a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys out there that are doing some cool stuff like that are, um, you know, we all seem to know each other. And um, although, you know, we don't get together and film and um, and hang out in person, but yeah, I guess as far as the community goes, all the a lot of the guys out there that are doing are doing a lot of a lot of filming and stuff generally know of each other. You know, will know know each other enough to be constantly messaging and things like that at times. So yeah, I've I've got a lot of people that I'm I'm always talking to about hunts they're filming and 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 they're asking how hunts I'm filming all sorts. But yeah. I know that's cool, mate. Um, you said that sort of um, Gerald Flurdy gave you a tip on the shoulder, and, and I saw Venator Padrona Savaris are advertising for for a guide. What you know, somebody that does have six months to get out there and do it. What what should they look forward to? How, what should they put forward to those guys, and and what would um, be use, useful for them? Yeah, well, um, I guess the main thing that the main thing that a potential guide is going to want to have is some, some decent experience, um, some experience in a high pressure situation. Um, and also um, probably the biggest one would be, well, not the biggest one, but a big, a big deal is to have good people skills. Hmm. Um, you know, a hunter's not going to want to come all the way to New Zealand, even though um, I don't, don't know how much you know about New Zealand and in the world scheme, but New Zealand's a pretty respected hunting place in the world, and we get a lot of international clients coming through hunting all over the country every year. So um, they're not going to want to come to New Zealand and hunt with someone that doesn't have good people skills and doesn't make their experience enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, all these outfitters in the country, um, if you're wanting to get a, a job as a hunting guide, a professional hunting guide. Um, yeah, some good qualities that you're going to need to have to start off before they'll give you a, a proper look. You know, you definitely want to be have good people skills, have good hunting experience, and and then yeah, be able to handle high pressure situations. And um, yeah, those would probably be three three decent decent starts anyway. But um, there's there's a New Zealand Professional um, Hunting Guides Association that mm. you can um, you can actually learn a lot through. And um, I'm not too sure if you've heard of those guys, but yeah, they do. They do. They do a pretty good job and stuff like that. I I, I haven't. Uh, I think I've talked to Richard, but I haven't haven't done the course or anything like that. Um, but that'd be a good place to start. They teach you all the sort of all the skills that you need to need to know or that you're going to need to know, and they sort of give you a bit of a leg up. But um, yeah, guided hunting is is definitely a good thing to do, but it's um, it can be very stressful uh, depending on the hunting that you're doing and the situation and the, the type of property and all these sort of things. So um, yeah, it's definitely not a, it's definitely not the, the easiest job out there as far as, uh, Oh yeah, just a cruisy day today. You know, there's, there's often high pressure situations, especially if, um, if, you, if you're looking at, you know, a fairly expensive hunt and stuff like that and, and the animals aren't turning up. So you're the guide, you're the guy that's uh, got the job to get, the hunter in front of that animal so if you're if you're not doing that then uh yeah stress can build up so yeah it's one thing that that a lot of guys don't realize being a hunting guy doesn't yeah it can be stressful at times but at the end of the day it's still yes it's still an enjoyable uh, thing to do nice and so what would you say to, to the, the fitness side of things you know um you're often the one that's scaling scaling the trail um is that is that a good thing to get out of the way so that you know you're not stressed about flying out of your ass as well <laughs> yeah 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 well gen- generally um uh i guess i guess generally fitness comes with it um and like you know this year this year alone i don't know how many days we hunted but yeah, we hunted a good part of the yeah well we've hunted a lot of days this year and fitness comes with it you know so um you get you get fit pretty quick, but yeah, if you're if you're fairly badly out of shape at the at the start, you definitely want to um, try and get yourself to a level where you can handle it. A lot of the hunters that come and hunt in New Zealand, um, you know, they're not super able to. They're not mountain goats that are going to run up and down the mountains, sort of thing. 
Um, but yeah, if you're not fit at the start of the season, you'll be bloody fit by the halfway point. Put it that way. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, and, and so, if, if, you know, not not going for that the big ticket out out for straight away. What would you suggest somebody do to get experience? Um. Yeah, well, see, the, it's probably quite hard. It's it's not an easy thing to get into the uh, into the into the scene, I guess. Um, knowing people in the industry helps a huge amount. Um, but to gain experience in the in the parts that you need to, you know, in the parts that you need to work on, would I'd probably recommend just say it's the raw, you know, say it's April. Um, you've got a, you've got a big hunting trip coming up, you know, you and a couple of your best mates that you grew up with and you're going into the, I don't know, the Kaimanawas or somewhere. Um, what, what a good thing would be to do. And, and I, I guess I did this when I was younger, um, is I'd end up guiding my buddies, you know, like um, a lot of the a lot of the trips that we would do in my teen teenage years and in early twenties and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the trips that we do, I would never even shoot an animal or let a shot off, uh, and I was quite happy because I I was generally the one roaring the animals in and and you know guiding, saying yeah, let's go up this ridge here, and I reckon if we get around here, we'll we'll be in a good spot. And um, I guess that if you if you almost work as a guide with your mates, obviously they're going to have to be okay with the situation, but <laughs> it's, you know, it's, that's, that's one way to get some good experience. And that's one way to figure out if you actually like, the, you know, if you, if you, if you still like the idea of being a hunting guide, if you can guide your mates onto, onto animals and you can, you can handle the pressure of when that stag's coming in and you feel the wind change on your, on the back of your neck, right at that, a crucial moment um you know if you can handle all these sort of things and then still make it work you know still get the outcome you want um, from decisions that you've made um yeah if you if you keep practicing stuff like that you'll you'll get you'll get all the skills you need to get i guess that's yeah i think that answers what you're trying to say no that doesn't it's um yeah like you say you sort of you look at the industry and you look at the outfitters and then you look at like you say there's the the outfitting association and and the the likes of Holden at OE, but even even then it's kind of like well what what how do you then join you know you know like this job at Venator you know going and, and hosting big people and and would, would yeah. you say that that is part of the role being being a host? Yeah, definitely. Yep, yep. You're you're basically you're basically a buddy, you know, a good friend for the hunter. Um, mm-hmm. You spend pretty much all your daylight hours and a lot into the night uh, with the, with the hunter. And um, so you, you actually, at the end of the week, you generally have a pretty good bond. You know, you've made a good friendship most of the time. And um, yeah, so you're sort of, it's not just the hunting, you know, um, generally for one, a big hunt, you know, you'll, you'll hunt the daylight hours. Um, and let's say you didn't get an animal that day. Maybe you didn't get the opportunity or you, didn't quite find the animal you wanted. Um, you'll get back to the lodge or the camp or, you know, whatever you might be staying at. And then you're socializing with that hunter till most of the time. It can be, it can be anywhere from 10 o'clock at night, which would be an early night. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, we've had, we've had some pretty late nights, you know, just, just yarning and talking and, and um, yeah, so that, that can be, that's a big part of it too. So it's not, it's not just the hunting. It's actually a lot of the social side of it. Yeah, nice. And so then to balance all this out, you know, working in hunting, filming and editing and hunting, what do you do to sort of unwind? Is that where the fishing comes in? Um, yeah, so <coughs> I guess, yeah, we're coming into the summer um, and I'm back up north here. So I'm north of Auckland. I'm up on the Tutukaki coast. So lots of beaches and, you know, lots of lots of cool ocean and stuff like that. So we're for me, I'm pretty much coming into the time of year where I'll be for every spare moment I get, I'll be chasing kingfish, and um, yeah, that's that's one way where I sort of I do I do unwind quite a, quite well, and um, I always look forward to the kingfish season. So 
yeah, that's that's pretty much my summer. And if the surf's good, I'll go surfing. So yeah, those are probably my two activities that keep me sane over the summer. Um, but I guess to answer your question even better, um, so right now, pretty much my whole day and, and a good chunk of the night will be on the computer, just working on, on hunts and stuff like that. Um, sitting in my chair or kneeling on the floor, whatever I decide to do. Um, so at the end of the day, I, I feel like I need to go and you know, blow some steam and stuff. So that's when I'll go down to the gym and I'll do a workout and, and you know, use a bit of energy and, and stuff like that. So I guess the gym for me is a place where I can go and, and really, really take my mind off everything. Um, I don't think about editing. I don't think about nothing. I just, I, I often tell people that the gym is my place to relax and people <laughs> laugh at me um, because it's, you know, it doesn't make sense, but um, I guess it's my place to relax my mind. So yeah, like at, at home here, the computer's here and I might be doing something and having dinner and next thing I'll just think, Oh, I better just go and fix that transition or I better go and put that little that little scene in there or something like that and you know I'm always thinking about oh I better go and do this I better better edit that piece so to go fishing or to go surfing or to go down to the gym you know that's just forget it just go and yeah take your mind off everything for a bit so that that's my time to unwind epic man and so what's what's a uh, workout or training look like for you in, in the gym um uh probably mainly just weights yeah. Um, a little bit of I normally do quite a bit of cardio at the start, but my workout is based around weights. Yeah, I don't know. That's just I don't know. For some reason, I like to pick up heavy things and then put them back down again. So yeah, doesn't make sense, but anyway, it's a bit of fun. It's a good, good feeling. Eh? That's for sure. Um, and <laughs> what, what sort of surfing do you do? What, what's, what's the waves like up at Tutukaka? <laughs> Uh, well, in Tutukaka itself, yeah, no waves at all, but there's a lot of surf beaches nearby. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we've got, yeah, so Wangarei is the nearest city, and I think the Wangarei city saying, or, you know, what they have on the billboards or whatever it is, is city of 100 beaches. So there's, you know, if that's correct, I've never counted them, but apparently <laughs> there's 100 beaches right here on the Wangarei coast. And, you know, up, up way up here in the top where... It's not very far just to zip across to the west coast. So, yeah, we've got no shortage of good beaches up here. And um, as far as the surfing goes, there's, yeah, some really good surf spots up here. And how's your temperature go up there most of the year? Or or do you get that cold flow for a bit? Uh, Yeah, it's it's definitely cold through the winter. I'm I'm not normally here through the winter. Um, But it's, yeah, it's it's cold. It's, It's uncomfortable sort of weather but it's nothing like central north island or the south island where you'll wake up and there's <laughs> 10 centimeters of ice over a patch of water or something you know so yeah. yeah we can't up here you can't you can't compare the cold to down there but it's still you know you might put a pair of jeans on if you go outside instead of just shorts so, summertime it's um 30s 30 degrees something like that but it's pretty nice weather pretty settled um yeah most of the time I end up just, I don't know, shorts and a singlet and some jandals and that's me over the summer. Yeah, and, and with your wetsuit, do, do you end up in an 8mm or, or, or a full, full do it? Uh, <laughs> nah, well, nah, so for the surfing in the summertime, try not to wear a wetsuit at all. Yeah, um, just board shorts and, and no shirt or maybe a rash top or something like that. But the water temperature, can get it gets pretty warm up here. So you can, you know, like we can surf all day long and, and not get cold in the the main part of the summer so yeah it's definitely warm it's i don't know it's fairly tropical i don't know if you've ever been right up here but we've got white sand we've got crystal crystal blue water it's um yeah, it's actually quite nice over the summer you know we went to uh monganui one summer all of that that stuff i finished uni so 2013 and yeah we, we got a bit of rain which was which was a bummer but yeah definitely the water was was warm it was, it was good times oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mate, so with with all of this, how, how do you think you're gonna find the time or allocate the time if if somebody does take up on on your passion to for them to have you follow them around with with a video camera and and document one of these, you know, um, plan for hunts. <laughs> well, so you're talking like a full year sort of thing, or 
<laughs> oh, no, no, no. Like, like, like you were talking about with, with um, Curran Island that, you know, you, you, you might follow somebody around on their raw hunt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Their yep. opening block yep. or, you know, what, what's, what's sort of the, the goal with that? Um, yeah, well, I, as you probably figured out, I really love to film film hunts and stuff like that. And um, I'd, I'd really like to see, um, you know, more just good genuine Kiwi hunters have their hunts filmed because um, we get up to some pretty cool stuff here in New Zealand. We're pretty blessed with the, the country that we've got. Um, you know, from the mountains to the ocean and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, you can you can you can guarantee that every weekend there's thousands of awesome experiences gone down throughout the country. Um, so, I'd I'd love to see more and more Kiwi guys that are doing bigger hunts. You know, like sort of hunts that they might only ever do once. I'd love to see them actually seriously consider um, filming it. So maybe we'll have, I guess we'll just have to see how that goes. Um, yeah, time will tell, I guess, whether or not it's something that becomes more mainstream. Yeah, and I, I think you're you're on the right train. Like I said, the guys um, bow hunting down under, they've got I don't know half a dozen videos of of amazing quality of of full journey hunts, you know. And, and I see Jerry's over there with Adam Greentree chasing chasing out now so god knows what's going to come out next but you know like i say there's there's, there's digging up some stuff that you filmed yourself that's there's content and then there's having the full story told and, and and you focus on the hunting and have somebody focus on the footage i think it's an epic, epic yeah. idea yeah yeah well, that's the thing like a lot of a lot of guys are, are definitely capable of filming it themselves but yeah if they can just take a sit bit a step back and actually focus on the hunt and enjoy the moment, the experience, you know, the, the bird sounds, the, the, the deer running around chasing each other, all the stuff we spoke about earlier. Um, you know, if they could just enjoy all that and not have to worry about, Oh, I better get that scene on camera and I'd better point, you know, point my camera over here and film that bugger. Um, yeah. I think, I think people will really, will really enjoy it if they, if they did try it. So yeah, go hunting and then, Get someone else to film it. Someone else to edit it. You know, <laughs> they, they might be the biggest draw card. You're, you're going to put it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. No, this yeah, fantastic. Send it, all, send it all to me if they want. I actually enjoy it. So yeah, it'd be quite cool to see some more Kiwi hunts out there. No, that's wicked. That's what I was saying to Andre. You know, for five years ago there was nothing, or, or you know, maybe hunting out at all. But now we've got you know plenty of. No, no, well, not plenty. A couple of good guys on YouTube and, and, and two hunting shows and now we've got a, a, a library of, of hunting magazines, it, it seems. It, it's um, it's really, really cool to be, to be a hunter at the moment and, and to find content and, and things that actually might teach you a thing or two. Like I said, that, that footage you had of that red stag chasing around and just getting to look at the behaviour and, and, and like you say, mobbing up with with hinds and things, and and the satellite spikers and what not to look for and what to watch out for when you're gunning on that big stag. You know, it just just yep. adds to your knowledge so that if you're ever in that situation, you 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 might have a better chance of pulling it off. So yeah, I think what you're doing is is fantastic, and, and the story and the, the footage and, and the real ethos behind hunting comes across so well. And, and yeah, love what you're doing, and and I, and I hope that there are some people out there that want to you know, jump on, on that service and, and create something that's, you know, going to last a lifetime. It's wicked. Man, where do, where do people find you? I, I found you, um, joe.wild on Instagram. Is there anywhere else? And, and of course, you, you, um, your page. Yeah, well, I pretty, much, I pretty much only do stuff on Instagram now. Uh, I don't have Facebook anymore. Um, yeah, so Instagram's a place to find me, and that's j.e.wilds, um, Joe Edlington. Uh, you can find all my stuff on there, basically. That's pretty much the one I keep updated. Um, and then, yeah, the YouTube YouTube channel for all um, a certain certain number of the hunts. Obviously, the bulk of the hunts uh, don't go up on that channel. But, um, yeah, there's some pretty cool ones that go up on there. So that's that's one place you can you can find. Um, yeah, when this when the Wild Boy film comes out after this uh, after this hunting film tour is finished, that'll be that'll be up on YouTube there and um, anyone can watch that. So a number of people have seen it. And so I've had, I've had, uh, I've had some feedback. I really enjoyed 
first of all, filming that hunt. Um, and then, yeah, editing that hunt was just, yeah, that was awesome, man. It was such a cool, that's such a cool one. And that's a special one for us. Yeah. And so if people are looking at the wild side stuff, is that mostly yours? Uh, no, no. Uh, Gerald, uh, the owner of Wildside Hunting Safaris, is a very, very good photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of the images you'll see, in fact, probably all of them, um, unless he states otherwise, will be his um, on, on, you know, the Wildside pages. Um, and also Joe Flutie, his son, is a really good photographer and a videographer. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a crew out there, mate. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, carry on. I was going to say, so you said Joe, Joe's into videography as well. Did that make it even easier to follow him around? <laughs> Joe, you know, Joe will hate me saying this, but Joe, I see Joe as, as like a younger brother. Um, yeah. <laughs> but man, he's just, he's just so bloody annoying to film, eh? I'm going, uh, <laughs> he, he does really good. And he's, you know, I wouldn't ask for anyone else to, to be doing it with me. Um, but for this one tar hunt behind me, for every serious scene, there's a blooper of him being just an absolute idiot <laughs> on, on the same thing. So, uh, yeah, I, oh, it's awesome. It makes for, it makes for such a cool experience. So, you know, there's, there's lots of humor. Joe's just an absolute clown. Um, he's also a very good hunter and he also comes across very well on the videos as well. So he, he knows what to do, but he likes to have a laugh and he likes to, he likes to sort of draw it out a little bit with a, with a bit of humor. So, yeah, so it's all good, man. Oh, wicked, mate. What would you like to leave people with, man? Um, whether um, in filming or in hunting or, yeah. I don't know. I guess, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd just really like to see, um, yeah, see see a bit more Kiwi hunts out there, you know. I'd like to see some guys um, really focusing on, um, on getting some of their big hunts filmed and on YouTube, you know, not... Um, doesn't have to be the the fanciest edits and stuff like that, but if people keep putting some good quality hunts out there and um, some good content, you know, it's it's really cool to watch. Mm. So um, yeah, just keep keep hunting, man. Keep hunting. Keep keep doing it, and get some get some video footage. Legion, um, it's a bit bit like camp. Keep hunting. Keep doing it for the hunt. It's it's good. It's cool, man. <laughs> love 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 it when there's some synergy out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Awesome, man. I'm going to press stop and, um, yeah, thanks so much. Awesome, man. Thank you. As I said at the end there, I love some synergy. Um, and, of course, it doesn't just apply to hunting. It, it applies to whatever your passion is. Get out there and, and chase it and do it and share it. And, um, yeah, if it, if it resonates with you, then I'm sure it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Um, I'm currently reading for our work week, and of course, it's a, a lot of things are a little bit redundant. Um, and Tim Ferriss acknowledges that. But what it really is about is creating a platform so that you can follow your passion. And I think following your passion now with with things like YouTube and Instagram, although especially when it comes to hunting, Instagram's pretty pretty hard work. Um, that last episode of the Stag Raw that I put up uh, with Jay Hawley got pretty well moderated by Instagram. It was pretty funny. Um, don't hashtag carnivore or, or put photos of meat, it appears. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's about your audience and, and that's why... It, I appreciate all you people out there that are subscribed to the channel because it means that you don't miss out on on stuff like this. Um, And it doesn't matter where I put a post, you still see it. Um, Facebook, I think, if you're a member of the page of Waikido, you're going to see the stuff. Whereas um, me sharing it might as well also get, get a bit stifled. Hopefully soon we'll, we'll have a chat with the team from Seeker Legends. I don't know if I had the conversation I had with Joe around Seeker Legends on this podcast. Uh, yeah, but basically go along to their website and their Instagram page because with their website there, having trouble getting it up onto Instagram, 
again, it's just a, a blog about people's stories hunting the kawagis. But it just shows you that there's forces at play and you know the current environment um, for New Zealand and, and the government and, and I see Canada is facing similar issues uh, with the you know already strict gun laws. You know, Canada has got stricter gun laws than New Zealand and even they are having issues from their government around um, gun ownership and and hunting rights and things like that. So that brings us back to what we've harped on about quite a lot. If you are a hunter, get along to your NZDA. Do your best to sign up. I see the odd complaint out there that signing up is quite difficult. Um, but yeah, do your best to sign up. Get in touch with the president and the, and the secretary of your, of your club. Get your name on the page. And that way, when things come to the fore, like making decisions and the NZDA or the Game Animal Council go to the government, go to the current Minister of, of Environment, and I see he's coming to Hawke's Bay shortly, that's to do with water, not to do with hunting, but she's also Minister of Department of Conservation, so, you know, we need the Game Animal Council to say, hey, we've got this many uh, in the NZ, NZDA, and it's a powerful, you know, amount of people and, and a voting population and maybe you should have a listen so yeah uh, if you're out there and you're thinking that oh yeah no this is just the way it's going to be New Zealand's great well it's not and you just got to look around the rest of the world to see that you know what we've got here in New Zealand is 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 beautiful and we're so lucky and like Joe said people come out to New Zealand um, they it has a massive reputation, this country, and um, yeah, unless we're vocal about it, it could easily be taken away because there are plenty of people out there with alternative views, and that's fine. But you know, you unless you've got a voice and unless you're uh, in the bureaucratic process, then things can just be taken away from you very easily, especially. Um, if the lobbying groups like Forest and Bird, who Eugenie Sage has uh, been an active member of, uh, have their way. So yeah, that's what I encourage you to do. Of course, the podcast is brought to you by Waikito, W-A-I-K-E-T-0.proveitnow.com. If you're a Kiwi, go there to check out all the flavors of exogenous ketones. There's a few, and um, they're all pretty exciting. Um, we've just ordered some more Splash, can't wait to get that here and um, get tapped into ketosis within half an hour. Uh, pretty simple stuff, just a sachet that you mix in with water. And like I said, in half an hour you're in ketosis and, and burning off that amazing clean feel of exogenous ketones. There's also the teas, the broths, the keto creamer, or chucking it in your coffee, keto protein. And if you're in one of those open markets of US, Canada, Australia and East Asia, uh, check out the Keto On The Go, ready to drink cans. That, that's another wicked product that you can chuck in the fridge and just crack open, crack a cold one of, of exogenous ketones. How cool is that? Um, like I said, those are the open markets. If you're not in the open market, just hit me up on at the Stag Raw on Instagram or like I was talking about, go to the Facebook page, W-A-I-K-E-T-O. And of course, that's where all the links to the episodes are. And like I said, subscribe to whatever podcast app you're on. Um, that way you won't miss out. Give us a rating if you haven't already. Much appreciated. This has been great. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll be back with the next episode of the Stag Raw. Cheers.